welcome and good evening to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, broadcasting live from Harlem, USA. It is February 8th, 2016. I hope everybody's off to a great start this year. It's been kind of crazy with the new administration and so much anxiety out there if you go on social media. But anyhow, we'll get through it. Um, Let's talk about our show this evening. We have a special show and a special guest. Our guest is Raika Yagmahi, and she is a dating coach and relationship relationship expert that's going to join us in a few minutes. And uh, looking forward to talking to her uh, because I think we're going to take a different angle in terms of talking about dating. Uh, Raika is from originally from Iran. So she uh, deals with a lot of clients who are uh, Eastern women from uh, Middle East, uh, Far East. And uh, I'm actually married to a Korean uh, American who is of Korean heritage. She was born there. So interesting to hear uh, what type of uh, dating advice uh, is given to uh, to women who are non-Caucasian in the U.S., d- either dating white guys or dating uh, non-Caucasian guys. So we'll see. <clears throat> but first, let's talk about what's going on out in the world through the Guys Guys lens. And then we will quickly do our weekly feature, the Guys Guys Guide, where I take on one topic. And then I will bring out our guest, Raika Yagmai. So uh, let's see. Let's start off with the Super Bowl. We'll keep it, we'll keep it light to start off with. So this Sunday we had a Super Bowl and if you're a New England's Patriot fan, you would probably say this is the greatest Super Bowl of all time because uh, they came back from the score was 28 to 3, and they ended up winning 34 to 28. If you recall on the show last week, I predicted that the Patriots would win 20, I think it was 27-26 or 28-27, uh, but I had them just winning by a slight margin. Um, so it was pretty close. Uh, they were behind until overtime when they scored that six points on uh, the opening drive of overtime. And as a football fan and a guy's guy, I have to say I give the Patriots all the credit in the world because they came out swinging in the second half. They kept the pressure on and did not make mistakes in the second half. That said, the Atlanta Falcons, I think did a miserable job in terms of managing the game once they got into the second half and they got the big league. And, you know, it's interesting because I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan as well as a New York Jets fan because I'm here in New York. I have Jets tickets, but more of a Cowboys fan. And I thought that the Cowboys lost to the Packers due to the coaching, uh, calling the wrong place, passing instead of running, not managing the clock correctly. And the exact same thing uh, occurred with uh, Dan Quinn and his, uh, his coaches for the Atlanta Falcons. And it's interesting because you would think that the coaches who get into the playoffs are the top coaches, but you know, it really, the coaches matter and the game plan matters because so many times and having attended a lot of pro football games, clock management is a big thing and knowing uh, strategically how to manage the game is huge and managing your timeouts and things like that. So what uh, the Falcons did that was uh, to me egregious was that they had run the ball so well in the first half and they were up 28 to three. And uh, I think they were down to like the, some like, I don't know, the 40 yard line or something. And instead of uh, once uh, new England started to make their comeback, but the point is 
New England, uh, the Falcons only ran the ball four times after they got that 28 to three lead. And when they had a chance to really salt the game away with a field goal that would have made it uh, 31 to 20 with just about four minutes left in the game, they did not run the ball. Instead, they passed, they got a sack, they got a holding penalty, and eventually they were pushed out of field goal range. They had to kick it, punt it to the Patriots who marched down the field and scored a touchdown and got the two-point conversion. It's like, come on. And then the Patriots won the toss in the overtime and they marched down the field again. I mean, the Falcon defense was dead tired. They were on the field the whole game and they lost. It was as simple as that. Why not when you had the ball? I think they, maybe they were down to even like the 20-yard line. Just pound the ball up the middle a few times. Uh, they were in field goal range and just kick the field goal and be done with it. The other thing that they did on another play, they had Matt Ryan, a quarterback, you know, he called for a snap. There was 20 seconds left on the uh, play clock. You're supposed to really, if you have a big lead and you're working the clock, you wait till the last second before you hike the ball. This is like basic stuff. And uh, the Falcons just did not adapt. And, uh, and then they made a couple of big mistakes in the second half uh, where the, uh, Great running back, uh, Devonta Freeman missed his block, and Matt Ryan, the quarterback, got slammed, and he fumbled, and the Patriots picked it up. And then they had that amazing play where uh, Brady threw it up, and it got tipped, and uh, the, uh, Julian Edelman ended up catching the ball that bounced off of the leg of an Atlanta Falcon who was on the ground, and then he, he kind of fumbled it himself up in the air and never touched the ground. And then he, gra- he had the wherewithal to grab it. So I guess that's what championships are made of. So congratulations to the Patriots, even though I'm not a Patriots fan, you got to give them credit. They won a, a bunch of tight Super Bowls, And, uh, you know, two, two years ago, I think they were playing the uh, Seattle and Seattle had the ball on the one yard line. And I think it was second down. And instead of pounding Marshall Lynch, they decided to pass it, and the Patriots picked it off. And the next thing you know, they marched down the field, and they won. So that's how championships are won. Good coaching, good play calling, and uh, on to next year. We'll see what happens. And the Patriots, even though Tom Brady's going to be 40, they, they, they'll still be looking at like one of the top teams. So that's the Super Bowl. A uh, quick note about um, you know our new president. Uh, he's got the uh, – his ban on seven countries and he's getting pushback from the judicial system. And uh, I don't think he understands that the, you know, the judicial branch has a, has a role in this and has equal footing. We're going to see what happens because I think the game that uh, Trump is playing is that, well, this is national security. So uh, it's his call to override anything that has to do with security. So if he wants to call for that ban, he can call for that ban, but it's interesting. That was the one, and it is, I'm not saying it shouldn't have been, but it's out of all the things he's done that have been controversial since he uh, took office, that's the one thing that he's gotten the most pushback on, and uh, it's getting traction. The other thing that was interesting today is that I know uh, Betsy DeVos got uh, placed as head of the Department of Education, which seems really crazy to a lot of people because she's against public schools, but I think the game plan there is to dismantle it. That's why she was put in there and give the power back to the states. So uh, unfortunately, she got in because, you know, she's not an advocate of public school. And when it's pay for play, when you get the education, then you're going to have kids getting shut out. And they're saying, you know, you'll get access to better schools. But, you know, it's access is a tricky word because it means how much money do you have? 
And uh, really, public education is uh, should be the right. You know, you pay taxes, so public education should be improved, uh, but it should be available, in my opinion. Uh, let's see what else. Um, also, uh, Trump's daughter, Ivanka, she got her products uh, taken out of Nordstrom because they weren't selling. By the way, they are made in Japan. Uh, excuse me. They are made in China, and they were taken out of there. And uh, he made a big statement about that, of how she was treated unfairly. And people are taking exception to that because as president, you're not supposed to use your power to kind of start bullying businesses around. But interestingly enough, shares of Nordstrom shot up 5% today in the stock market. So this whole resistance thing, um, is, I think, is starting to take a foothold because, you know, when you look back again at the numbers, 23% of uh, voters voted for Trump. 25% voted for Hillary and 52% uh, didn't vote. And that's the real problem. So uh, we'll see what happens, but it's going to be a rocky ride. And uh, Trump has, uh, he's got the executive power. He's got the Congress on his side and he's got the Senate on his side. So it's tough. This is a real challenge for Americans who don't agree with his policies and how he's comporting himself. So we'll see what happens there. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the brand, the Guys Guys brand, because this month I've invited uh, dating experts onto the show because it's the month of love, Valentine's Day. And I'm going to be doing my little Guys Guys guide in a moment about Valentine's Day. But very quickly, uh, you know, the whole idea of the whole Guys Guys movement started with my novel, The Guys Guys Guide to Love. Uh, you can find that on Amazon or the e-tailers and in some bookstores. And you can check out the reviews on Amazon. It's got amazing reviews. And it's a fun story about two guys in advertising competing for love, sex, power, and money. It's been called the males, the men's successor to Sex in the City. I'm very proud of it. And everybody seems to really have a lot of fun with the book and keeps asking me about a sequel, which I've outlined. And I'm going to be writing it later this year. I have time constraints and some other stuff. So I really need to clear a lot of things up before I sit down and I craft this book. Uh, which I should have a draft on. Uh, it's not going to take me that long to do the draft because I know what the story is about and I'm very excited about it. Um, also, that's begot the Guys Guys Radio, and we've done over 205 podcasts now. All of our podcasts are available on Blog Talk Radio, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, and iTunes. So uh, if you want to help out the Guys Guys movement, because I'm bootstrapping this thing on my own, I have a producer by the name of Ryan Gilpatrick. has been super helpful, helping me get set up with things. But basically, we're just running with this thing. I book the guests. I interview the guests. I read their books and et cetera. And uh, we're getting noticed. So that's a good thing because we've got a positive message. And yet we're real. But if you want to help out, go to iTunes and rate, review, and subscribe to Guys Guys Radio. All the podcasts are free. You can listen whenever you want. That would really help out a lot. Go to iTunes, rate, review, and subscribe. Um, we also on YouTube. We're on Twitter at Robert Manny, and you can catch me on Facebook. I do a daily meme on Facebook and Twitter. Robert Manny, author on Facebook, and my website where I do my weekly blog and have a lot of other features on there. And you can get three free chapters of the book if you'd like is Robert Manny, M-A-N-N-I.com. So let's quickly get to the Guys Guys Guide, and then we'll bring our guest onto the show. Uh, this week, I wanted to talk about, um, I usually tie it into what my upcoming blog is, and I've done two blogs on posts on uh, Valentine's Day, so I'll just combine them. 
for the sake of our show tonight. So one of the big issues with Valentine's Day, let's take the negative first, and that is pressure. A lot of people feel pressure, whether you're in a relationship or not in a relationship. Valentine's Day brings a lot of pressure and a lot of com- commercialism. St. Valentine, uh, this whole history of him was pretty interesting because uh, there's a lot of different stories about what really happened with St. Valentine. Uh, what is he all about? Um, let's see. The legend was, as it's confounding as the commercial celebration of the romantic love that sprang from his legend. The question is, because they don't really know for sure, but some say he was beaten to death with clubs. Some say he was beheaded after restoring sight and hearing to the daughter of his jailer. And some said it was a romantic legend that was a creation of Geoffrey Chaucer. Until the 20th century, the tales surrounding St. Valentine's had been spun more times than a soggy towel around the dryer. And then all the corporations got hold of it with our CRP greeting cards, milk chocolate hearts, and jewelry. And all of a sudden, it became a commercial holiday. And it creates a lot of pressure for people. So if you're in a relationship, you know, you want to kind of up the game. So if you're a man, you know, the... Uh, the natural tendency is to go for lingerie, but women might necessarily might not necessarily want lingerie. And it seems a little obvious. And then if you're a woman, like, do you need to get a guy a present? I saw a couple of posts on Facebook today. Should you get a Valentine's day to a guy for, for something for a Valentine's day? And, and then, then for the guy, if you're not getting lingerie or let's say you do want to get lingerie, then you have to go to Victoria's secret or whatever. And you have to try to figure out, okay, what how what's the size of my girlfriend or wife's boobs and then i have to take a look at, around in the store and talk to the sales person there and it's the whole thing's uncomfortable and everything and then with the you know if you go out to dinner they you know jack up the prices and if you send flowers they jack up the prices and it's just a lot of pressure for everybody and then if you're single there's pressure because you feel embarrassed maybe if you don't have somebody do you go out do you stay in what do you do Here's a couple of solutions. One, I think the key thing for Valentine's Day, if you're either a man or a woman, is to just personalize the present. For a woman, you want to do something for a guy, just make it sexy. Keep it simple. Make it sexy, and he'll be happy. Just make it sexy and keep it fun. Uh, And indulgent. Maybe there's food involved. Maybe there's drink involved. Whatever. Have a nice time and get it on. And I think your guy will be happy. If you're a woman... Uh, If you're a guy and you need to get something for a woman, I think the best thing you can do is personalize the gift. You know, if you want to get lingerie, make sure it's something that she really wants and it's really special and it's, 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 it's skewed exactly for her and something that she'd really, it's not for you, it's for her. So if it's something she really wants that makes her feel like rocking your world. Great. If, if you don't think that she's totally into it and it's just, you're buying something for yourself, eh, you know, it depends on who your uh, partner is, but, you know, you could do better than that. Think about things she might have said she wants to do, places she wants to go, maybe a movie she wants to see, a play, an event, an art show, something romantic, whatever. Um, just make it about her. And uh, and then I think you'll be okay. I get a card instead of, you, know, you can get a storeboard card and whatever, but make sure it's a short and sweet card that has plenty of room on blank space that you can write a personalized note. And if you really make it a heartfelt personalized note, I think you'll score a lot of points. And, but you know, you want to be true to yourself and be authentic about it. But I think that would make 
her happy. And maybe you can cook her a meal or clean the house for her or whatever. Something, you know, believe it or not, some of these things that don't sound romantic, like cleaning, women really appreciate if guys do some cleaning. So anyhow, that's my guys, guys, guide for the week. You can check it out on my website, robertmanny.com. Okay, let's get to our special guest. And I know she's waiting to get on here. And I uh, found her on the, the Love Coach uh, uh, group in uh, Facebook. I invited some people to come on and she stepped up and said, I want to come on guys, guys radio. And I'm thrilled. And she's been super buttoned up and professional about the whole thing. And she sounds really terrific. So let me tell you a little bit about our special guest, Raika Yagmahi. And uh, she is an expert in coaching, a savvy woman about how to date and find love with quality men. And her clients are high achieving women who have created success in many areas of her life, but sometimes need help in the love life. And that's kind of understanding she was, uh, she's an Iranian-American and born in Tehran, and she's an expert in intercultural dating. And I want to talk to her a little bit about that. Her coaching brings a unique understanding for women of Eastern cultures living in Western countries and helps them create successes in their love life. Um, she's worked with Muslim, Iranian, Jewish, Iranian, Indian, Chinese, Filipino, Israeli clients who live abroad and face challenges in dating cultures outside their own. She is an active uh, opera singer and a vivacious performer, and uh, she coaches, educates, and empowers single women to date with confidence, and that's a good thing, and of course, she is uh, the CEO of Dating with Confidence, and certified international coach, uh, leadership, master practitioner, and she's been a dating coach for uh, going on uh, her first decade, so let's bring her on now, the venerable Raika Yagmahi. Good evening, Raika. Good evening. Oh my goodness, that um, that introduction was so. I'm listening to you, and I'm like, oh my god, is that me? <laughs> so thank you for that. Better be you. Very flattering uh, introduction. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> well, I, you know what, I, I, I really, uh, the show is really about. Uh, we want our guests to. Uh, to do well and feel good. And it's, uh, you know, this is not a conflict show. It's not like one of those sports shows when you have two people yelling at each other. I, I really want to, oh you know, if I promote the work of the people who come on. I, I might do some conflict stuff, but uh, I don't think that's the case here with you. So let's start out. And, uh, you know, how did you make uh, the kind of transition, if you will, from uh, being a performer and being in kind of the opera area and then doing your studies for certified coaching and uh, and it's then getting into kind of the relationship and dating coaching area. How did you make, what was your inspiration and kind of how'd you do that? Sure. That's such a great question. Um, you know, uh, being an opera singer is really challenging and uh, it's a very tight um kind of uh, career uh, in terms of trying to get a job and I uh, dealt with a lot of uh, rejection I still do you know Um, it's just the nature of the game and um, it it really threw me uh, off for a few years I got very very depressed and um, especially after I got out of the conservatory because I was kind of like the big fish. I was getting all the roles and I came to the real world and nothing was happening. And um, it just was a big uh, kind of like, Oh my goodness, what's going on. And then on Mm -hmm. top of that, um, 
parallel to what was happening in my performing uh, career, um, I was in one bad relationship after another. And um, the mindset that I had was very victim. I was like, I would tell myself, I'm such a victim to my love. If I love a guy, I don't get love back. If I love a career, I don't get love back. And I was living that reality for quite a while till I finally, you know, I got, I got engaged and to the wrong man. And um, he kept leaving, you know, and coming back, leaving and coming back. I mean, leaving meaning like emptying our house, filling up the house with his stuff, emptying the house, filling up the stuff. And it was like, it was in that process where I got very uh, curious about, okay, okay, Raika, you're the common denominator. What's going on? Like you are the common denominator between all these relationships that are not working. And, um, and I went to a lot of therapy and from that I got introduced to life coaching and that was, that was when the journey started. And you know what? It was awesome. It was, um, the third time he decided to leave, I felt very confident about being okay with him leaving. And it was right around then when my voice changed from being a mezzo-soprano for 15 years into this big, giant, you know, lyric soprano. So it was like a revolution, internal revolution was happening on every side, every corner of my life. And, and I have been so happy ever since. Now, your first client. I just thought of this question. What was it like to have your first client? And it was a surprise. Was their issue a surprise to you? You know, you, uh, you know, we don't have to be too personal about it, but just that uh, mm-hmm. they, they, I don't know if they know if they were the first client, but was, you know, when you're on the other side of the table, because you had gone through some challenges uh, relationship wise on mm-hmm. your own. And then I guess you kind of had some self-awareness when you went through your training and you mm-hmm. were passionate about helping others. When you had a client sitting on the other side of the table, was it a, an aha moment or was it like, hmm, I wasn't expecting that? You know, it was that I didn't expect that because in coaching school, we, we have been taught to really stay present to what's going on for each person and each person has their own reality that they have formed. So I really didn't think to myself that, oh, I didn't expect that, but I I remember that there was a shift inside me going from somebody who was so um, helpless to somebody who had so much compassion and love to give all of a sudden. And, and uh, I, I really fell in love with, with the coaching. Um, I loved my, my clients in, a, in, the, in terms of like having the, the uh, opportunity and the pleasure and the, uh, kind of like being humbled by being on their journey with them and for them to ask Mm me um, to help them. So I remember being very grateful and I still am to this day. I feel like it's, it's such a gift that I get to be on, on another person's journey. Um, You know, so no, I did, I didn't feel like, Oh my God, what am I going to do with this? But, you know, as I said, in coaching school, we learn to, we don't solve another person's problem. We believe that every person has the ability to solve their own problems. My job is to hold that truth for that person. And by asking curious questions and being an expert, I'm really an expert in asking questions. 
by asking the right questions to steer them into finding their own solution. Okay. Um, so what do you think uh, the current – let's start at the big, big picture. What do you think mm-hmm. uh, of the general state of dating right now? In what terms? And just overall, just overall is like the people, like, listen, uh, 20 years ago, technology was not as big a factor in dating. Technology mm-hmm. has changed everything. And the way millennials date is different than the way Gen X dates or uh, different than the way boomers date. So if you mm-hmm. rolled all that up together, what, what's, is it, is it a ball of confusion out there? Are there compartmentalized issues what do you oh, think yeah. are the big issues? Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I think that there is a lot of confusion out there because on one hand, we have this traditional mentality around dating and relationships, you know, which is, you know, the guy comes after you and you want it and, and, and the so-called quote-unquote organic way of meeting people, um, you know, and um, but the times have changed, and um, right now it is, it, it, at least in my opinion, I think it's, it's crucial that you, you will be online and dating online. And I get this all the time, the resistance to wanting to do that. I was one of those people who resisted it as much as I could. Um, but it's kind of like saying I don't want to have a smartphone. I don't want to have a cell phone or I don't want to have an email address. I want to send letters in writing rather than email. You know, the world doesn't work that way anymore. So I think there is a lot of confusion between um, those two things, you know, the things that we learn from the generations past and the way that um, dating is. And I think the more... I also see this in cultures, you know, different cultures. There is more of it. Like, for example, working with the Iranian community, I get the resistance much, much more than I would get it in uh, maybe from an American or somebody who has been born and raised here uh, in this culture because of the secrecy and because of shame and because of not wanting to put your name out there. There's kind of like generally I feel like um, there is, you know, there is a huge gap between um, asking help and being present, being out there and networking around finding your career. You know, it's like it's a good thing to do that, you know. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to dating, all of a sudden we go 100 years back. And it's like, no, 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 I don't want to ask about that. Or no, 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 I don't want to ask for help. Um, so I, and my job is to constantly bring awareness to that. It's okay. It's okay to ask questions. It's okay to be online. If you are online, guess what? Everybody else who's online dating is also in the same boat as you. So they're doing the same thing you're doing. Mm-hmm. So uh, what is your perspective then? What is the number one mistake that women overall are making when it comes to dating and the number one mistake men are making? You know, I, I, and there's so many, um, boy, I just did actually a, a 12 on, you know, talking about the biggest dating mistakes, but, um, I think that, you know, it, it all goes back to mindset. I think the biggest mistakes are the limiting beliefs that both men and women give power to, um, um, 
you know, it's like um, there are no good guys out there. There are no good women out there. Women, um, women only want to be with men who make money. And men would, uh, women would say, you know, men don't want to be with powerful, you know, women. You know, the, the limiting beliefs that we start having and then we kind of live in that reality. And, of course, because these are smart people, you know, um, they have a strong need to be right, which is another mistake. And uh, they attract those limiting uh, beliefs, the situations that prove to them that, the limit, that their limiting beliefs are true. And then they're like, see, I told you. And then they kind of stay in that place. And nothing moves forward. So it sounds like uh, they're, they're, people are their own worst enemies when it comes to finding love. Because two things you kind of mentioned yeah. without saying them explicit, explicitly was one, there's a lack of flexibility on some people to try something new. And uh, mm-hmm. the other thing is, which Absolutely. I think is, to me, the over, the re, to me, the key, you want to find love. Anybody can find love. Here's what you have to do. If you do this one thing, you'll find love. And tell me if you agree or disagree. Mm-hmm. And that is make room in your heart for someone. Mm-hmm. If you don't make room in your heart for someone to come in, you will never find love. You have to have made room that you can accept somebody in there and have space for them. Absolutely, Robert. I completely agree with you. And to, to add on to what you're saying, and it's so valuable, I, I, I really hope your audience is taking note because that what you said was so true, is while you're making room, make sure that you are working on to become the best version of yourself. It is so important. Do not wait for somebody else to come and fix your needs, fix your life. Being in a relationship is not about somebody coming in to fix something for you or to make you feel happy. you got to be happy. you got to be complete because mm-hmm. being in a relationship is about partnership. It's about collaboration. It's about adding to each other, not fixing each other, not filling a void for each other. Um, but you really want to be in a place, you know, I always say if you want to be a if you want to look for quality men, you've got to be a quality woman. And obviously I work with women, so my message is always towards women. But um, and this goes for both ways, you know, both men and women. And a quality man or woman is a person who wants and desires and deserves to be in a relationship, but, it's not, but they're not desperate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're. I think you're absolutely right. Let's uh, just veer off a little bit. I want to go back to uh, which I really find fascinating, and I really commend you mm-hmm. for it. And that you work with a lot of women who are uh, Eastern, whether they're Middle Eastern or Far Eastern or whatever. And I mm-hmm. uh, have uh, in my dating life, uh, I'm married now, but I dated a lot of women who were not. I'm in New York City, so you know, after you're mm-hmm. single for 20 years, you've done every. I did everything except for. Uh, I didn't, I was never gay. That's just, and I'm not putting it down by any means, but I just did everything else possible dating wise. Um, so, and, uh, I dated every type of woman you could imagine. And they were all fascinating. And one of the things I found was, you know, I really enjoyed dating women who were not Caucasian. And after a while, I actually preferred that. And I'll tell you why. Um, I found that when I was dating uh, a lot of the Caucasian women, women who were local, 
they were dating like a lot of different people at the same time. And they were great at business and great at multitasking and really, you know, uh, double booking everything and just like really super efficient. And uh, mm-hmm. I found that when I was dating out of race, if you will, that more than often than not, the person I would be go- dating was just dating me. Like they were see, yeah. let's see how this goes. And if it works, great. Yeah. But if it doesn't, it doesn't work. But, you know, you don't go on, you know, a dating site and then you, if you meet somebody, then you kind of date, you see how it works out. You give it a chance. And if it doesn't work out, mm-hmm. you can go right back on the dating site. But if you're going to be dating like six or seven people at the same time, it can get a little confusing for everybody because you kind of lose track of where your heart is. And I really like the fact mm-hmm. that the non, and I'm making generalizations and I apologize. It's just my personal experience, but I really like that the international woman, let's, let's say, um, seem to be for the most part more uh, like let's give it a try and if it works it works and if it doesn't it doesn't and I found it uh, like mm-hmm. a simpler saner approach to dating than go as crazy as you know just go crazy and like keep all your options open every second on everything because it's just a little nerve-wracking after after a while sorry for the long mm-hmm. question but what are your thoughts <laughs> Tell me in a nugget. <laughs> no, that's yeah. awesome. I I feel for you. So so, is your save your question um, for me? Um, I want to make sure that I'm. I, I I guess my understanding of your question is that is there a difference between um, you know uh, women from you know Eastern cultures and versus women American from yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and what is the question? Is, is the question is there a difference? Well, what, why what is, is there, there a is, is yeah is there a difference? Why is there a difference? Just thoughts on mm-hmm. that, and then what do you tell? Mm-hmm. And you know, since the women of culture, if you will, of different cultures, they're here, and uh, mm-hmm. you can talk about you know what are some of the things they go through because some of them are going to date uh, the same type of people, you know, their same I don't want to say whatever race or uh, religion or uh, nationality. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll come to the States and they still date their own. Uh, and some of them will sure. date white guys or African-American guys or whatever, uh, or Asian guys or Hispanic guys. It doesn't matter. But, you know, everybody has different issues. But how what are your thoughts on the whole thing in terms of how you coach women who are from other cultures who come here, whether they're dating white guys or non-Caucasian guys? And how, how do you mm-hmm. help them navigate? Just you know, okay. we don't have to be super anal about the exact question, but just that area. Sure. Talk to us about that area. Sure, sure. So there is a difference between um, these cultures because their upbringing is different. You know, my upbringing is very different than um, than my uh, so-called you know, American white friends, you know, here in the U.S. Um, so there are certain things that have been told to me when I grew up. Like, for example, when I was growing up, it was absolutely frowned upon, absolutely not possible, no, like not even room for negotiation that you will have sex before you're in a relationship. That And that relationship means you're married. Like you have a ring on your finger and the whole 500 family members have come to the wedding to make sure right. that you are married, <laughs> right? So, <laughs> I come from a big family. I have 11 aunts and uncles, so you can just imagine. So so that is a no-no. So when, for me, coming from Iran, and I remember 
you know, the first um, few years that I was here, meaning like six, seven years, I remember I like I had a crush on this guy who was not Iranian, and my mother was like, I she didn't even want to hear it, and my mother is totally open-minded, Robert. I mean, she was in Berkeley in the sixties. You know, and of course, later on, I found out that she was naughty herself. But, but when it came to me, I couldn't even talk to her about that. So, you know, when I get clients um, from um, the, the Eastern culture, and, and it's pretty much across the board, you know, anywhere from Middle Eastern to the Far East, the, the culture is very similar to what I have experienced, you know, you get married to the same people from your own culture. And and so much so that even in the Iranian culture, a Jewish Iranian gets married to a Jewish Iranian, not a Muslim Iranian. Now, that's the mentality. That doesn't mean that everybody does that. But that is the mentality, and that's the challenge. So it's very difficult for let's say somebody like me who's come to San Francisco and is studying opera to meet another Muslim Iranian. Mm-hmm. Now, no, lo and behold, I don't even believe in that culture, half, half of it. You know, I'm really an Iranian-American. I came here when I was 19. So do you see the conflict in, in like, there is this girl, you know, or this, you know, woman who's like totally, you know, her, her, Adult self has been shaped here, but then there is then there is the culture that's tugging on her and saying mm-hmm. to her, "No, you can't do that." So, um, whether it was in my case or in um, in my client's case, we really talk about that, and we and I have to let them know, you know, I'm sorry. At the end of the day, your grandmother is not sleeping with this man. You are, and if you're happy, they're going to be happy for you. Because this is your life, and that takes a lot of coaching, and that you know, and and again, I want to make sure that my clients never feel that I am in, that I'm telling them the only way to go about this is to get out of your own culture. But I just want them mm-hmm. to know they have choices if that's the choice they want. Some of them do, some of them don't, and that's okay. But then they got to know that every. Hmm? Go ahead. Go ahead. Every choice that they make has a consequence. If you're choosing to be with an Iranian Jewish man, then yes, you are saying no to a lot of opportunities. But then don't nag about it. <laughs> be okay with it. And maybe so really just be circuits. be true to be true to who you know if they want to stay. If they have a group identified, uh, so I guess what you're saying is if they have a group identified that they want to st- stick with, then they should do that and just, you know, get on with it. And if not, they should then open up and uh, let their heart kind of lead them. Exactly. So, Robert, I had a client who was an Iranian Jewish, um, you know, I mean, beautiful doctor, you know, really highly educated and when she came to me, she was in her late 30s and very worried about, you know, I want to get married because I want to have kids. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we had to really work through a lot of stuff till she really becomes, you know, gets true to herself. Is it really important to be with an Iranian Jewish man to have everything you want? And, and you know, given the fact that I can't change time for you, you know, if you are 39 – and you know the consequences of being pregnant at an, at, at, in your 40s, and you, the mm-hmm. doctor, knows better than I do. So, you know, we, you really got to get true to yourself. What are your priorities here? Set your priorities. 
well, lo and behold, she has now a kid, and she's been married to an Irish Indian. Mm, wow. Yeah. Cool. And they're they're amazingly happy. <laughs> That's fantastic. I guess you know I have to say just say something kind of off the record here. Uh, I just it breaks my heart when people that Americans, uh, you know, how things have gotten. I don't think Americans really understand Iran and the people there and the fact that the people there are very different than what you see on TV and the Ayatollahs and all of that. And that's a very progressive in a lot of ways, very sophisticated, progressive culture in a beautiful country. And I don't I don't think Americans are getting a. a you know, the, a, a fair picture of, uh, you know, I will bet that a lot of people from Iran are more open about us than we are about them. And I'm not saying that I'm not trying to be like a bad American or anything, not patriotic. I just think that, you know, everybody needs to be a global citizen and like start to look, forget the borders for a second. Let's just look at people. There's so much that we all have to offer each other. And I just, I think, I think it's terrible that, uh, uh, just the way that things get portrayed sometimes in the press. So I just want to get that off my chest. Sorry. Oh, thank you. That means the world to me. I have to tell you, as an Iranian American, I, 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 that that really means a lot. And yes, we do. Our culture, our people, really identify with Americans a lot. It's interesting that when I came here in 1993, I moved here. And even up until now, the first question I'm asked is, oh, my God, was it a culture shock? And I'm like, no. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Exactly. That's the, fact, I think I that's the big that, eye-opener for people, right? Yeah, it really wasn't. I mean, I didn't know what bagel was, but big deal. Bagel mm-hmm. is not a culture, you know. But, like, to be here in, in, in the openness of, of America, and I'm absolutely in love with this country. I chose this country as my country. Um, I... It wasn't, and that's what's so amazing about America for Iranians. It's really not that different. Yeah, that's 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 like I just if everybody would just kind of go beyond what the images are shown to them on TV or whatever, and read and talk to people and meet people, you know, the world is a much smaller place. And there's a lot. And the other thing is, I think a lot of Americans don't understand is if you know you go country by country, and even it's particularly in the Middle East, is the cultures are very different, and the uh, the systems are very different also. I don't, I don't think because we just get hammered by all this news. I don't think a lot of people have the time or take the time to, uh, to be aware of those nuances, uh, those cultural nuances. And they just, uh, they want to just simplify everything. And it's a, it's a, it's a shame. So not enough. I always say not enough love in the world. So uh, let's keep going. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you You've know, got- Robert, that's actually a really good point that you're bringing up because it's that's exactly what I tell my ladies who are, you know, like from the Eastern culture in the Western, living in the Western world. But, you mm-hmm. know, if we can just think about the language of love without border for a second, yep. if we can just talk about being human and looking at dating from a human side, not, um, you know, culture side, we, we will be surprised at how much as people, as humans, we have in common. I am with an American myself. I've been in a relationship and living with a man who's American, but I cannot tell you how much he is similar to my father 
in terms of <laughs> cultural stuff. But actually, it makes me, I'm like, really? Like, where did you learn that? But that's who he is. And I'm like, wow, we really are not that different. Oh, I got to tell you, just as a guy, I have, you know, my wife's Korean, but she's, you know, she came over here at six years old. She doesn't even, she has, like yourself, no accent or anything. And she's completely American. But, you know, she grew up uh, her first six years in Korea and she speaks Korean and her Mm -hmm. mother speaks Korean, her sister and all of that. But they're, you know, they're Americans and all. But it's so interesting because I'll say, like, what are you, what are you cooking there? She's like, Korean food. And uh, with Korean (laughs) food, you can eat, you can eat the same thing. It doesn't matter what time of day. It's just like Korean food. There's different soups and stuff. And there's not even a name for a lot of the dishes. It's just Korean food. And I'll still, I'll look in the refrigerator. I'm like, what's this? It's a bag of these little tiny fish. And I don't know what, and she's like, oh, no, no, no. I just put them in the refrigerator. They don't even need to be there. I'm like, oh, okay. But you, what's great, my point is, when, you're, when you date somebody outside your culture, it's a lot of fun. And you learn a lot of yeah. different things. And you really expand your world. So whether you're a woman dating an American guy or an American guy dating an international, uh, different culture woman or vice versa, it's just a great thing to do. So uh, uh, I applaud yeah. you again for what you're doing. Um, you have Thank something you. that you specialized in. You're welcome called the broken picker and you have a free booklet. Could you tell our audience a little bit about what that's all about? Yeah. So, you know, I mean, you know, what happens to you, you teach it and you coach it. So, um, you know, I, for 11 years, I dated, um, I mean, for 12 years, I dated 11 men, including my fiance who, um, I mean, I was either in a relationship or I was dating guys who left me, either left me because they cheated on me or left me because, um, you know, they wanted to kind of get out of a relationship with me to immediately get in a relationship with somebody else. And that, you know, it, it wasn't until I figured out, oh, my goodness, I, it's me. It's not them. It's me. It's like I'm the common denominator. I'm attracting these guys, kind of like the same guy, you know, yep. who just looks different you know, every time, but it's kind of like the same personality, like the bad boy, um, sexy, you know, um, kind of, you know, that kind of guy with my, my type for a long time. And um, it wasn't until I got real with myself and I started working on my picker because I'm picking these guys, what's going on with me. So I figured that one of the first steps for women to start dating is to understand men. You know, they, a lot of times women say men are lying to you. No, actually, ladies, men are not lying to you. They're telling you exactly what they are, but you're not listening to them. Mm-hmm. So um, in this right. guide, I talk about the four different types of men, uh, one of which is the relationship-ready man, and their qualities and the characteristics, of course, it's a very generalized thing. Every human being is, you know, unique. So um, this is not to, you know, it's not like a, it's not by any means telling the guys that are not relationship ready are bad men or there's any judgment about them. I have myself been that woman who didn't want to be in a relationship for many years. So, you know, there's nothing bad about them. But if you want to go after the relationship ready man, if you are a woman who's, who's really serious about creating your love life, that, that love life that is with a committed man, then you've got to know how to pick those guys. And you need to know how to go through through your dating um, process with this information. So I thought, you know what, let's just create a booklet. I, my team and I put 
put a booklet together, and, and it comes with an MP3 because if anybody is like me, so crazy, like right now I'm sitting in my car outside of my rehearsal for the opera on this, you know, interview mm-hmm. with you so that, you know, so I can fit it in. And, and so I know that, that a lot of smart, savvy women are busy. So no excuses, you know, but download it, put it on your phone and listen to it because this is a piece of information you absolutely need to have. Not only knowing the guys, but also the three steps of how, to, what to do when you're on a date so that you could um, recognize the relationship-ready guy, you know, what to do. And okay. um, have to really stop being burnt out. <laughs> Take responsibility. Right. Well, real quick, let's just talk about uh, the big date coming up, um, which is mm-hmm. Valentine's Day. And let's get your yeah. thoughts on kind of, how can uh, let's uh, it's a two part question. What should uh, women in a relationship expect and do for Valentine's Day? And what how about single ladies? I mean, women in a relationship, again, that's really not my area of expertise, but I would say being my myself being in a relationship and my clients being, you know, in a dating process, I always say just exactly what you said at the beginning. I really love what you said. Listen to what your partner does once. Listen to what they have mentioned. It doesn't need to be anything big. I love that idea of pick a card with a lot of blank space and make it really personal. If your man is into uh, food, then cook their special food or order it. If you don't know how to cook like Mm -hmm. me, then order it. (laughs) You know, (laughs) all that matters is something personal that matters to them. You know, something personal, a personal touch. Um, So that would be my, you know, my kind of two cents for women who are in a relationship. I, I for, for women who are not, and you know, actually Tim and I, my boyfriend do this, you know, Valentine's Day is really not about the chocolate and the heart-shaped cards, even though the media really wants to make it about that. It's really about the way you choose to spend the day. It's about how you define mm-hmm. it. And so, you know, I would say for, for women who are single, I, my tip is apply self-love for that time. You know, really, uh, you, know, you really, really get in, maybe make it a, you know, ritual between now and next Tuesday, you know. And those self-love principles that I, I always give to my clients is respect yourself, you know, respect yep. your your choice that, listen, you are not in a relationship because you chose not to. It's not because, oh, poor you, you can't be in a relationship. You really have chosen to be single because you want to be with a guy who's your match. So take responsibility. Self-love means really respecting your choices. Self-love means learn your needs. Take this time to learn how to say your needs in a feminine way, not girly girl, but feminine way, open way, open way. Learn how to do that because when you get in a relationship, that is one of your biggest assets that you're going to take with you in there. Learn uh, self-love means committing to yourself. If you want a man who commits to you, how are you showing up? How are you committing to your self-growth? What are you Mm -hmm. bringing to the table as a person, as a character, not your money that you're making and your degrees and, you know, your fashion statements, but really as a person, what are you bringing? How are you committing to your growth? 
Uh, I know that for me, the reason my boyfriend picked me on the, in the pool of all these women who are on OkCupid.com, which is a free dating site, he says it. He's like, because I loved what you said about self-growth, and that to me was sexy, and I wanted to get to know you. Excellent. So um, I know you got to go to your practice, and we're kind of wrapping up uh, on time here. So how can mm-hmm. uh, how can everybody find out more about you and your uh, your programs and your products? And you're in San Francisco, right? Yeah, I'm. Well, I personally am in San Francisco. But I have clients all over the world, so okay. um, women can find me on datingwithconfidencecoaching.com. And um, my uh, Broken Picker solution is right there, right front and center. Go grab it tonight. Um, so that's where they can. And I'm all, all over social media. You know, I'm at um, Dating with Confidence on Facebook. I have a group called Dating Tips for Savvy Single Ladies that women are welcome to join. It's a private, safe group for women to ask any kind of dating questions. I'm very active in that. And I'm on Twitter at um, Raika Yagmai um, and on YouTube, Dating with Confidence. Uh, so, yeah, I'm all, you know, they can, they can reach all of my social media from my, from my website, datingwithconfidencecoaching.com. Make sure you put that coaching in there, datingwithconfidencecoaching.com to get access okay. to my free training. Great. Well, listen, you've been fantastic, and it's a pleasure to get to know you, and I hope we can stay in touch uh, through social media, et cetera. And uh, it's been a pleasure having you on the show and having a unique perspective, and you deal with more of a different, a little bit of a different type of client, and that's great. And I also like the fact that, you know, you, you would admit that you deal mostly with women because I have so many uh, dating coaches and experts come on and a lot of them are women and they say they deal with a lot of guys and all that. And I, I don't, I don't know if they, if all of them do, I think the majority of clients probably are women, but um, I like the fact that you specialize in women and you're uh, right up front Thank about you. it. So that's just my own editorial yeah. comment. <laughs> I think the languages are different, Robert. So I really want to stay true to what I can bring to the table. I have to say it's been a real pleasure to, to speak with you and be on your show. I really, I listen from the top and I love everything that you do. And, and I definitely you know, look forward to us uh, building this relationship through the amazing social media. <laughs> Well, let's do it. Okay, it sounds great. So, uh, good luck with your practice this evening. You want, if you want to sing us off, you can. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! I'm sitting in the car. What would I say? You know, to love, to love. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> All right. Thank you All right. so much. All right. All right, Raika. Be well and uh, happy Valentine's Day to you and your uh, your boyfriend, your fiance. Thank you to you guys too. All right, cheers. Okay, everybody, that's our show for this evening. Our special guest, Raika Yagmani, and uh, she was fantastic. And I uh, hope you check out her work. You can find her as uh, on her website and also uh, social media on Facebook and Twitter. And uh, next week, we're going to be back on Wednesday. We have another coaching expert by the name of a guy we have, Benjamin Ritter. He's got a book, and uh, we'll take care of him then. And in the meantime, I just want to remind you you of uh, one thing that I mentioned earlier in the show, and I think think our special guest would agree, and that is, you know, one of the keys, if you want to find love, you got to make room for love in your heart. 
And if you keep that in mind, I think you'll do okay. And remember, like I always like to say at the end of every show, guys, guys, finish first. <laughs>